0: Well, good morning. I'm going to call it Canton Church because that's where I know where it's moving. Good morning, Canton Church. You excited to be at church this morning? Say yeah. You are the blessed crowd. You are here on a holiday weekend that God is going to do something special today and tomorrow for you because you decided not to go uh, to the lake or the pool or wherever everybody else might go today instead of coming to church. So thank you for being at church this morning. I'm excited uh, to be here. My name is Kyle Jackson, again, from Fort Myers, Florida. Um, I love your pastors. Let me say this before we move on at all uh, for this morning with the message. I hope you guys know with Jeremy and Corey Isaacs what you have here. I think that uh, one of the things that can happen is you get so comfortable uh, with the people that lead your church that maybe you forget how awesome that they really are. And I get to travel and do this quite a bit. And one of the things that I'm learning as I go places is some churches might have incredible pastors, uh, but maybe they're not the greatest leaders. And then you go to some churches and you have great leaders and maybe they're not the greatest pastors, and every once in a while you find a couple where that intertwines and mixes and collides together, and that's when you know that you have a church that has the ability to reach an area of your city, a church that has a vision from God to go and reach people all across this area of the Canton area, and what you have in Corey and Jeremy Isaacs is not only great leaders, but incredible pastors, and with those two things combined, you can go reach a lot of people in this area, so before I move on at all this morning, they probably don't get this enough, would you encourage them, would you honor your pastors, Corey? and Jeremy Isaacs here in the front row. Come on, Canned Church. It's Labor Day weekend. Tell them you love them. Show them how much you love them this morning. There you go, where we come from. You stand to your feet when you honor somebody. I like her right there. Come on, you have incredible, incredible pastors for three and a half years. They've set up and tore down in a high school. One of the hardest things to do in the country to have church in a high school. I know that you love them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. So you guys have incredible pastors, and I know you know that, but tell them how much you love them. We, I'm here this weekend, and I'm so excited to be here this weekend where you guys are as a church. We did nine and a half years of mobile church, so you guys are three and a half years in. We beat you by six, uh, so we did nine and a half years, four and a half in a movie theater, five and a half in a high school. Uh, walking in the high school this morning it was fun to see the trailer backed into the entry area there. Uh, you got your coffee set up, you got your kids' environment set up, uh, everything is, is going on there, and then you have an auditorium. We had a 900-seat auditorium at South Fort Myers High School for five and a half years, where we set it up and tore it down, and we did church, and we just sat every weekend after we set up uh, an hour before church started, we just looked out the windows going, I hope somebody shows up today, uh, and they kept showing up, and over the last uh, four years, we've built a permanent facility, we've built a second permanent facility. It's been quite a run over the last three years, but I, I what I think... Jeremy would tell you today is that what our church has offered him and Corey is we've been 100 people in a movie theater we've been 150 people in a movie theater we've been 250 people in a movie theater we've been 400 people in a high school 600 people in a high school 900 people in a high school and now with our campuses we see however many people come and attend each week what we've seen the church at every stage of growth so the pressures that him and Corey and the staff of Blake and Trevor and the rest of the team feel every single weekend every single week leading this church we've been there and um and it's not easy, and it's hard, and doing mobile church is one of the hardest things that you'll ever do, and being a pastor is one of the hardest things that you'll ever do, and they're just doing an incredible, incredible job. I got to see the, the future home of Canton Church the other night with some of your leaders uh, that were there, and what an incredible space that God has just opened the door for you guys. He has opened the door in an incredible part of your city, right by Anytime Fitness. I told Jeremy, since he's going to tell me that I got thrown out by a girl to all of you, I told him he ought to be a buck seventy and in shape, because when your church butts up to Anytime Fitness, there's... There's no excuse anymore for anybody on staff to not be incredibly, incredibly fit. So uh, so you guys have an incredible space uh, that you're going to uh, get an opportunity to have church in. And I love the fact that Mount Perrin's allowing you guys to call it Canton Church. They're allowing to, for you to be an arm of them, but allowing you to be uh, the flavor, so to speak, of church that, that's in Jeremy and Corey's hearts. And you have incredible leaders there at Mount Perrin, and I love that they're going to allow you guys to, to do what you need to do in order, in order to reach people in this part of your city. So here's what I want to do this weekend. I want to talk about this idea called the one. I want to talk about this, this idea that each and every one of us were the one at some point in time. That's what Jesus came for, and that's what I think this new location is going to give you the opportunity to be as you move forward at this church. My wife is with me this morning, Jennifer. She's on staff full-time at the church. Uh, we have a little daughter named Kaylee. They'll throw a picture up on the screen. She is two. Uh, she's at home. I think there's a picture. There's a picture. Yes, she's, none, nobody said "Oh, so I guess she's not as cute as I think she is. So thank you guys for, uh, thank you for, um, my church goes aw when we throw her up, but I guess every, uh, what the truth is every, that's okay. Don't, don't, it's fine. It's, it's 20 second delay does nothing for me. So, um, but, but, but it's probably because every little girl I've seen since we came to Georgia is equally as cute. We went to the Auburn Louisville game yesterday. My voice is a little hoarse. I'm an Auburn fan. Um, and, and every little girl there is cute. So it's unbelievable to, uh, To have a two-year-old daughter. And she's at home. We can't wait to see her when we get back late tonight, early tomorrow morning. But I want to talk about the one. I want to talk about this idea of the one. So do me a favor across the the auditorium this morning. Do me a favor. Close your eyes for just a second. Maybe you don't do this very often. We're not going to do anything weird. I promise you Jeremy's not going to run around and start praying for you. So just close your eyes for a second. I want you to vision two things in your mind's eye view. I want you to, to first, I want you to remember the moment in time for every single one of you that are here this morning that you said yes to a relationship with Christ. I want you to remember back to that time. For some of you, it's going to be 20 or 30 years ago. For some of you, it's going to be five, six, seven years ago. Maybe it was at another church. Maybe it was at a youth camp. Maybe it was in your room with the parents sitting by you on the bed. Maybe it was in the last three and a half years here at at this church at Sequoia High School that you walked in and you said yes to relationship with Christ. Or maybe you came back after running from the church and with Christ for a long time. Maybe you came back and said, God, I need you to be at the center of my life. But remember that time. Where were you when you said yes to a relationship with Christ, remember how everything changed. Remember how nervous you were maybe before and how excited you were after. But every single one of us can remember the time and place where we said yes to a relationship with Christ. And then the second thing I want you to do with your eyes closed is I want you to remember the first time you walked into Sequoia High School. I want you to remember the first time that you turned in off the highway there, you pulled in This idea of church in a high school. I want you to remember the first time you walked through the doors into the foyer. Maybe somebody greeted you. Maybe you got food. You got coffee. You checked your kids into the kids area. You walked into the auditorium. They had worship. Jeremy did an okay job preaching. But you decided to come back anyway. And then maybe you got a Starbucks gift card on your third visit. Then you got involved. Your kids came out of kids ministry and said, Mom, Daddy, it's awesome. I love it. Can you remember the first time that you walked into Sequoia High School? To come to Canton Church. And now, three and a half, two and a half, one and a half years later, you are who you are today because of this church. Do you remember the first time you said yes to a relationship with Christ? And do you remember the first time that you walked into this place to Canton Church? You can open your eyes across the auditorium. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up. It's good. Wake up. Do you remember the first time? Do you remember when you said yes to a relationship with Christ? I remember sitting in my dad's Ford pickup, 1988 red Ford pickup in South Alabama. And he had just got done speaking at a revival. And I remember asking him, Daddy, what do, you, what do you have to do to say yes to Jesus? How do you invite him into your heart? And I remember saying yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I remember walking into to Fort Myers to a high school, South Fort Myers High School, to Next Level Church when my wife and I moved there seven and a half years ago. I remember pulling onto the parking lot. I remember walking through the front doors. I remember the, the foyer with coffee and donuts and the kids' environments. I remember walking into the auditorium and the worship and the message I remember walking out of there and telling my wife, "Wow, this is different than what I was used to." I ran from the church for four and a half, five and a half years, never stepped foot in a church, and finally came back to my relationship with Christ. Came running back at a high school, just like this. I remember when I said yes to Jesus, and I remember when I walked into my church at a high school seven years ago. And I think that every single one of you can remember when you said yes to a relationship with Christ. You can remember how your life was before, and you can remember how now you know how your life is today, and you can remember when you walked into this place for the first time. And you walked into Canton Church and something was different. You felt something different. God spoke to you in a different way than maybe he ever had before. Maybe you came from a different style of church and you had walked away from the church for a long time. And you walked into this place you're like, man, there's something different about this place. And I believe because of of Corey and Jeremy's heart that this idea of the one that sits in their heart, that it does not matter how big this church gets, it does not matter if it's in a high school, it does not matter if it's in a permanent location by any time fitness two or three months from now, it does not matter where the church sits. All they want to do is create an environment where people that are far from God, people that maybe walked away from God in one season, or people that know God can come in and experience Him every single week. And they can say yes to a relationship with Christ and they can walk in no matter where they are and they can find Jesus and they can walk in and use their gifts and their talents and their resources to come in and serve people in this area of your city and Canton. That's what's in their hearts. And today we sit in a high school and 60 days from now we might sit in a permanent location five or six miles down the road but at the end of the day the heart will never change of what this church is about. And this church is about finding people that are far from God, finding people that don't know Jesus and allowing them to see the gospel of Jesus Christ and allowing them to cross the line so that their life for what it was will never be the same when they say yes to Jesus. Again, the same thing that you did when you said yes to Jesus and the same feeling you felt when you walked into this place three years ago, two years ago, or a year ago, they can experience as well. So we're going to talk about this idea Of the one. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, you can flip to that or on your phone if you want to turn to that. Mark chapter 5, we're going to land in verse 21 through twenty six for a little bit, and I want to spend some time telling you a story about what I believe Jesus came to earth for. I think it's the best story that got one. God sent Jesus to the earth. I believe this is the exact this is one of those stories that is the heart and the center of who Jesus was. And I believe that it lines up with the heart of your lead pastors and what this church is going to be. Let me set up the story for just a second. Jesus was was preaching all day. The Bible records he was casting out demons. He was doing the whole deal. He was doing what he did. This is kind of in the in the Right in the middle of the the fame of Jesus, so to speak, that everybody knew about this Jesus. This was in the heart, in the middle of his ministry. And Jesus just got done speaking all day and he got in a boat. He went across the Galilean Sea and he landed on the other side. And again, he had been preaching all day. Imagine nine, ten hours. I'll do this two or three times on a weekend and I'm exhausted. He's probably doing this for eight or nine hours to thousands of people. And he gets in a boat. And he goes across the sea, and he lands on the other side. My thought would be that he's landing on the other side, hoping that he gets a chance to just grab something to eat, maybe catch a nap, maybe uh, spend some time in prayer with God. But he lands on the other side, and sure enough, just like we read in the Bible so often, he lands on the other side of the sea, and there's a crowd. There's another crowd that's waiting for him. They heard that he might be coming, and they're waiting for him. And Jesus gets out of the boat, and he lands on that, that shore that day, and he gets out, and a guy comes running up to him, a guy named Jairus. And this guy, Jairus, falls at Jesus' feet. And he falls at Jesus' feet and he has a request for him. And I believe what we read over the next five or six verses in this story is exactly who Jesus was and exactly why Jesus came to this earth and exactly why the local church exists today. So if you want to read with me in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34, it says this in verse 21, the verses will be on the screen. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Verse 23 He pleaded earnestly with him My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Let's pause here for a second. Why is this important? Why does it matter when we read this story that Jairus was named? Why does it matter that Jairus came and fell at Jesus' feet? Because Jairus was somebody that was a synagogue leader. More than likely, the Bible records he was a Pharisee. And if you're familiar with Bible study at all, you know what the Pharisees thought about Jesus. They didn't really like this Jesus guy that showed up on the scene that was proclaiming to be the son of God that was, was coming and healing people, was doing things that were outside of tradition, that was doing things that were against the grain. The, the Pharisees didn't really love this Jesus guy. They were trying to figure him out. But Jairus, in a moment of need, Jairus at a moment of desperation, comes and he falls at Jesus' feet and he pleads with Jesus, Jesus, my little daughter is dying. And I don't know who you are, and I don't know enough about you right now, and I don't, I don't actually get everything that you are, but from what I hear, I hear that you're healing people, and I hear that you might be the Son of God. Would you possibly come with me after preaching for nine or ten hours, after healing other people, after casting out demons? Would you come with me? I know you don't know me. I know you don't know my daughter, and I'm not even sure that you can heal her, but you are my last hope. Would you come with me and lay hands on my daughter and pray for her? And heal her, verse 24. It says, so Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Verse 26. See, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. What's going on here? Here's what's going on. Could you imagine today? in today's world, that if, 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 that if on CNN, because I was right across from the headquarters yesterday, so that's a good station to pick up, CNN. So on CNN, that they're broadcasting that Jesus, this guy that's proclaiming to be son of God, that he was coming to Ken. and he was actually going to get dropped off right here in front of Sequoia High School, and he was going to walk the road out here, And he was going to head to somewhere else. Could you imagine if they broadcasted that on CNN, on ABC, on CBS, and they let everybody in this area know that this Jesus guy was coming, and they were going to drop him off, and he was going to walk down the road here. Could you imagine the crowd that would come out for something like that? I would assume we would come. Could you imagine from all the surrounding areas, from, from the areas of Woodstock and the areas of Buckhead, from all these areas around Atlanta, could you imagine if they all showed up on the scene because this Jesus, this son of God, was actually going to come and he was going to walk down our street here and he was going to preach somewhere down here on the corner. Could you imagine the amount of people that showed up? Could you imagine the chaos that's going on? And Jesus gets off of this boat right here. And again, I think in our minds we read the story and we go, oh, there were probably a few people gathered there on the seashore to to see Jesus because they'd kind of heard he was kind of cool. And I actually picture it being completely opposite. I believe there were thousands of people on that seashore. And Jesus just preached for nine hours and he gets out of the boat hoping to rest, hopeful to get a piece of pizza or something and hang out. And he gets out and there's thousands of more people waiting on him. That they've heard about this son of God, they've heard about this healer, they've heard about this teacher, they've heard about this guy, this rabbi that's coming that's different than the other ones. And he shows up and this guy falls at his feet. Could you imagine the crowds out here? Could you imagine the chaos? And this guy falls at Jesus' feet. And he says, will you heal my daughter? Jesus starts to walk with him down the street. Jesus' disciples, his bodyguards Or walking with them, they're surrounding him, but everybody's trying to reach out and touch them. But then in the crowd out here on the highway, there's a lady. And this lady's been sick for 12 years. She's gone to every doctor, she's gone to every medical center, she's gone to every specialist, she's spent all of her money, but yet for some reason she can't, she can't figure out how to get healed. But she hears this Jesus is coming, and she decides: you know what, I'm gonna try to get in the crowd. And what if I could reach out and touch him? What if I could reach out and grab him? Then maybe, maybe just maybe, I could be healed. And Jesus comes walking down this crowd, and Jairus is walking with him, and this lady reaches out and touches him. And Jesus stops. And Jesus' disciples are like, God, you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving. The crowd's too big. You're going to get hurt. And Jesus goes, no, 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 somebody reached out and touched me. Three things in your notes this morning found in your worship guide there. If you want to take some notes with me, three realities on remembering that it's about the one, no matter where this church is, no matter which location it's in, whether it's in a high school, whether it's in a permanent facility, whether it's in three locations at the future, if that's what God wants to do with it, remembering the heart of this place, the three realities to remember that it's about the one is this. Number one, no one is ever too far gone from being the one. No one's ever too far gone from being the the one, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. By bleeding, the Bible records that there was a constant discharge of blood from her body, that she had gone to every specialist, every doctor, she could not figure it out, but Jesus was her last hope. And she shows up in this crowd and she reaches out to touch Jesus because maybe, just maybe, she could get healed. Jesus was her last hope. And you are never too far gone from the power of the Holy Spirit coming in and invading your life and changing your life. And every single one of us remember the time we said yes to a relationship with Jesus. We remember the issues that we had before we knew Christ. And this lady had issues. She had issues. But she believed that if she could reach out and touch Jesus, maybe, just maybe, she could be healed. We were standing in a huddle before, before church started here just a little while ago and I was listening to people share wins. And wins are a name and a story of somebody's life who's been changed or transformed in this church. We read a leader's night the other night and they talked about the bass player that's up here playing bass and Jeremy and Corey are telling me that story in their car with a smile on their face saying, man, he was, he, they, were just, they were distant from church and they knew God but they, they weren't necessarily, they weren't living their life all for Jesus. But then they showed up in this place and something changed in them. There's a girl named Jennifer who shared her story out in the foyer for just a second. This was her second month being here, and she's already jumped onto a service team, and she's already served, and I could tell on her face, with a smile on her face, that this place is already changing her life. And when asking Jeremy about it and him telling a little bit about her story, Jennifer, I don't know where you're at in the auditorium this morning or if you're in here at all, but I hope you know they're so proud of you. They're so glad that you would come to this church. They're so excited that, that this would be a place that you could come in, and whatever your story is, that God could come in. And he could change your life. I hope every single one of you know that no one's ever too far gone from being the one. That nobody's ever too far gone. It does not matter your past. It does not matter your present. That all you have to do is walk in and say, God, I'm ready for a change. Jesus, I need you in my life. Holy Spirit, would you come and lead me in my life? You're never too far gone from being the one. And maybe you're here this weekend. Maybe you're here in this service and something's going on in your life. Maybe your marriage is a little rocky. Teenager, maybe you're in here this morning and There's some things going on at your school and you're doing some things and maybe you feel guilty about them single person that's here. Maybe you feel like God's distant from you. Maybe you feel like you're doing things that God would look down on and be disappointed about. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you're always one step, one step towards Jesus and he'll take 999 steps back in your direction. All you have to do is say, God, I want to step back in your direction. And he'll take 999 steps back to you. And I believe some of you here this weekend, I believe maybe you came today on a a holiday weekend because you're struggling with something. Maybe you're struggling with something. And here's what I know. I I know that if you're struggling, it's a good thing. I think the world tells you that if you're struggling, it's a bad thing. That if you're struggling, hold on, like it, it could be bad. I believe if you're struggling, it's a good thing. Because I believe if you're struggling, that means you haven't been defeated. I believe struggling is that you're facing something, that you're going up against something. There's opposition in your face, that you are struggling with something. And there's something pushing back on you. And there's something that's resisting you from getting to where you need to be. But there's a big difference between struggling and being defeated. Struggling means that there's still a chance. Defeat it means there's no hope. Defeat it means that it's over. And I believe that the fact that you're here this morning in Sequoia High School on a Labor Day weekend at church, you might be struggling with something, but you are not defeated. That you are one step for saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. And you're one step from going, God, I need you to come in and invade that area of my marriage. I need you to come in and invade that area of my depression. I need you to come in and invade that area of my finances. God, I'm struggling, but I have not been defeated. There's still hope. And there's not a single person in this area. I don't know who it is in your family. I don't know who it is in your workplace. I don't know who it is in your neighborhood that you might look on and go, yeah. I mean, God they're probably a little too far gone. Like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure we can reach them. And I would encourage you this morning from the high school to a permanent location and wherever God wants to move it forward from there that no one's ever too far gone from Jesus changing their life. Look what it says in the next couple verses here. In verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, speaking of the lady who had been bleeding, when she heard about Jesus, she came up and behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak. Because she thought if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. The fact that she touched Jesus right here, by the way, makes him ceremonially unclean. That somebody like this had to come out into the marketplace. Somebody like this had to come out into public and she had to scream, unclean, unclean, unclean. So that nobody would touch her because everybody else in the public thought she was too far gone from from ever being healed. That if she were to touch them or get near them, then they would be They wouldn't be in the right standing with God. So the fact that she reaches out and touches Jesus right here is important in itself because Jesus shouldn't do anything. There's a whole ceremony and ritual that Jesus is supposed to go through right here in order to do anything because she was unclean and she touched him. If I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. The second reality we need to know this morning about remembering that it's about the one is this, is that we've all needed an environment where we can reach out and touch Jesus. No matter how long you've been following God, whether it's 20 years, 15 years, two months, or two weeks, we've always needed an environment to walk in and reach out and touch Jesus and receive his healing power in our lives, haven't we? Come on, how many over the years you've probably been two or three churches over the years. Maybe this is your first church experience. It does not matter how long we've been following God. We've always needed an environment to come in and reach out and touch Jesus. That every weekend you set up environments in your foyer back here in the band room. They took me to the chorus room where your kids are hanging out right now. They, they, here in the auditorium. That every weekend people come in and they set up environments so people like you and I can walk in and we can reach out and touch and receive the power of Jesus through worship, through relationships, through hearing messages, for applying it to our life and our workplace. But every single one of us have needed an environment to reach out and touch Jesus. This is an environment. Five and a half miles down the road next to Anytime Fitness 60 days from now is just another environment. I hope that you guys don't see that as a finish line. I hope you see that as a starting line for what Canton Church is going to be about in this community. I hope that you don't say, great, we're not not mobile anymore. We finally have a permanent church building. It is not a church building. It is an environment for people that are far from God that they can walk in and receive and reach out and touch the power of Jesus. It is an environment where people like you and I can use our gifts and our talents and our resources to serve Jesus just like Jesus served this lady, just like Jesus served Jairus by going to heal his daughter, that he stopped and said, you know what? I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I wanna eat a piece of pizza, I wanna take a nap, but there's two or three people here that need to receive the power of Jesus this is an environment that will be an environment in the heart of your pastors that we will continue to create environments where people come in and they can experience Jesus because here's the the story of Jesus that everybody wants it to be that that a lot of people think that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when we receive him that we will have no more pain we will have no more struggle there will be no more hurt And that's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is that in our our struggle, in our pain, in our hurt, in our tough times, that he is walking right beside us. We want to say yes to Jesus because maybe everything just gets better after that. And trust me, a lot of things do get better after that. But it does not mean that this world is not going to bring pain and struggle and hurt on us. But when it does, Jesus walks right with us. And we need environments like this where we can reach out and touch and receive the power of God. I'm a huge Auburn fan, 2010. Auburn won the national championship. Any Auburn fans in the house? Jeremy, you do have good people in your church, bro. I told you, we were at a leader's night the other night and a guy in an Alabama shirt was sitting right across from me. I'm like, this has got to be the enemy right now trying to mess with my mind. And so, good for you guys. Come say hey afterwards. It's good that you're here. God wants to use you. So... Like my mom and dad must be here somewhere. I didn't even know you were here. Hey mom, hey dad. Uh So I'm a huge Auburn fan, 2010, national championship year. Auburn's like four and O. They're ranked number four or five in the country. LSU's ranked like number three or four, they play at Auburn. I took my wife to her first Auburn game. She grew up a Gator. We're trying to tell her that the right orange and blue is a little darker, that that's God's team. So she finally changed her Twitter recently to War Eagle. It literally turned me on. I was so excited. (laughs) I was like, where are you? Like, I want to come find wherever you're at. She was in the church building, so we waited until we got home. But it was awesome. (laughs) Um, it was a beautiful thing. And so she is finally, the Lord's going to move in her life. And, um, <laughs> but I took her to her first Auburn game, which is a big deal for me. I grew up going to every game. My dad was a high school football coach at Auburn High School. I love it. And, and I, I took her, and Auburn does this thing before the game called the Tiger Walk, where they drop all the players off about a quarter mile from the stadium. Every team has their own walk. ESPN calls Auburn's the best in college football, so you can tell me about yours later. I don't care. Um, so the Vol Walk, I've been to that. It's like you can get anywhere and touch all the players because it's like one, one player deep. Like it's not at Auburn. They're in trees trying to watch it. And Jeremy's like, no, the Vol Walk. I'm like, I've been there. Uh, it's pretty pitiful. Um, so <laughs> he's going to throw me under the bus for a girl throwing me out. A second. She was a great athlete, by the way. <laughs> she could probably play for the Braves right now. And so, she's a great athlete. She made a shoestring catch. He didn't tell you about that. She walked twice because where's my picture at? That's somewhere in the house this morning. There he is. He's coughing. He couldn't throw her a strike. And so, he was so nervous about her. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's okay, man. It's good. You're at church this morning. Um, so, I take her. We go to the tiger walk, the whole deal. And I'm like, honey we got to get up because so, Auburn had a quarterback that year named Cam Newton. And Cam got off the bus at the end. He was always the last person off the bus. And, and so I'm you know, being you know, 28 years old at that time or something like that. I'm like any other 28-year-old. I'm pushing kids out of the way to get up to the front of the line. So after getting up there with all my other 50-year-old friends that have no shirts on and their chest painted, I'm like, "Whoa, what's up? Kids are crying behind me. I'm like, you're good. you got 20 years to do this. It's good. So, so Cam Newton gets off the bus. He comes down the bus. And I already prepped my wife. I'm like, honey. When he comes, I'm gonna grab his shoulder, and then I'm gonna need you to take a picture because every 30 year old guy loves 18 year old athletes like we're so in awe of them, apparently. So she's like, "Great, I got it, I'm in for it." So he comes down. Sure enough, I reach out, I grab his shoulder, I turn. She gets the picture. It's awesome. So here's what here. So so Auburn. I'm not saying that when I reached out and touched him that I felt power come out. But Cam did go on to score four touchdowns that night. Auburn won. They won the national title. He won the Heisman. I'm not saying that I felt power in that moment come out when I touched Cam, but I am saying that Cam had a pretty good night that night. So I don't know if Cam listens to the Canton podcast but Cam in case you do I would love to sit in a box seat at at a Panthers game sometime because basically that was the turning point in your career when I reached out and touched you that day like the power of Jesus came out I just that's what I feel at least so hashtag Panthers hashtag Cammy Cam whatever it does to get on the internet so Cam can watch me I'm trying to get tickets to a Panthers game but anyway so that why, why does that matter watch this transition because just like I touched Cam that day you need to set up environments where people can reach out and touch and receive the power of Jesus too. So awful transition. Listen, you need environments. You need environments. Come on, whose life has been changed in this church over the last three and a half years? How many more people's lives does God want to change through this church in the years to come? I believe it's actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more lives. I believe that one of the things that happens in church is we get comfortable with our parking place, our coffee, our donuts, our seat. We like it when he leads worship, not as much when he does, and Jeremy has to lead it every once in a while, We're like, ugh. So we, but, and we love, and, oh, Jeremy, he does such a good job preaching, and, and we've got our friends, and we've got our seat, but Listen, there are people all across this community that don't have a seat yet. And there are people all across this community that they died tomorrow. They might not enter the gates of heaven. And it is this church's job to create environments in a new permanent location or wherever that is in the future where people can come in and reach out and touch Jesus and receive his healing power. Nobody in this community is too far gone from being the one. And all they need are environments to walk in and reach out and touch and receive the power of of Jesus, look what he says as he as he goes on here. I love this I love this next part, verse thirty. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone on from him. I felt the same thing when I touched Cam that day. I'm more than willing to show up at a Georgia game if I need to and, and reach out and touch any of your players. You just let me know at the Georgia walk'. I'm, I'm sure I can get right up by the front. <laughs> I'm going to be in so much trouble. Auburn's going to be like seven and five this year, and you guys are going to hammer me. I'm going to have people yelling at me on Facebook. I'm like, who are they? And then I look it up, and they're from Canton, Georgia. I'm like, ah, that makes sense. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you as disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Massive crowd. Jesus is the Son of God. He's walking down the highway up here. He's walking with some guy to heal his daughter after nine or ten hours of work. Come on, somebody. We work like nine hours a day, and we sit in Atlanta traffic, and we get home, and we're exhausted, right? Nine hours of preaching, healing people, casting out demons, boat ride across the ocean, gets out, another crowd. My man's exhausted here. Again, he got sent to earth as, as human, so he, there's nothing going on here where he's not as tired as any of us would normally be either. And He gets out, and he's walking, and somebody reaches out and touches him and he feels power come out of him. And he said, who touched me? And his disciples are like, Jesus, keep moving. The crowds are too big. The crowds are too big. You're going to get hurt. Somebody's going to trample. You've got to keep moving. And Jesus goes, no. Somebody reached out and touched me. Somebody reached out and called my name. I want to know who it is. This is one of my favorite places in the Bible because I believe it speaks to exactly who Jesus was. Verse 32, but Jesus kept... Looking around to see who had done it. I picture Jesus in that crowd stopping and looking around. And his disciples trying to pull him and him going, hey, chill for a second. Somebody reached out and touched me. I felt somebody reach out and touch me. I felt, my, I felt power go out for me. I felt somebody call on my name. I want to know who did it. And then I picture Jesus looking down and seeing that lady on the ground. I think that she was probably reaching to two or three people's legs just trying to get a, trying to get a touch of his coat or his cloak, just trying to just, if, he, if I could just touch Jesus, maybe, just maybe, I could be healed. And I picture Jesus looking down and seeing that lady. After the entire community had told her that she was unclean and that nobody could heal her. And I picture Jesus getting on a knee Clearing a couple people out of the way. Getting on a knee and looking that lady eye to eye. And I bet they had a moment that we just can't see in the Bible because it's not recorded that way. I picture that lady weeping. I picture everybody standing around her in our world today. They'd be taking pictures like crazy. Media would be all up in their face. And I believe in that moment, Jesus, the crowds meant nothing. Jesus didn't mind crowds, but he was never impressed by them either. All throughout the Bible, Jesus is always looking for the one person that's reaching out to touch him. The one person that's reaching out to call on his name. Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And I picture him on his knee looking her eye to eye, and he said to her, daughter, not outcast, not sinner, Not unclean woman. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The third reality about remembering that it's about the one is this church goes from a high school to a permanent location. And I hope that you can get this in your heart today. Number three, our situation is always personal to God. It's always personal to God. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And here's what I think this morning, Canton Church. I believe if you don't hear anything else I said, I believe that God sent me from Fort Myers, Florida all the way up here this weekend to watch an Auburn game and to speak to you this morning. Jesus was never impressed by the crowds. Didn't bother him. He's always making sure, story after story in the Bible, that we remember today that it's still about the one. That we walked into this place three and a half years ago, two and a half years ago, and I don't know what our issues were. I'll tell you what mine was when I walked into a high school seven and a half years ago. My dad was a traveling speaker for a long time, and my mom had an affair that I walked in on at 18. And my dad got fired because it didn't look good in the Bible belt that they were going through a divorce. And it was on the front page of the paper, And I watched everybody who loved my dad and our family turn their back on him. He was the number one sought-after speaker in the southeastern part of the United States for any athletic event for over 10 years. That happened, and four months later, he's spraying bugs for Terminex in a one-bedroom apartment in Millbrook, Alabama. And my mom went off the deep end, and my dad went off the deep end, And I went back to Nashville, Tennessee to play college baseball and I walked away from God. And I did things that I'd be embarrassed to tell you about this morning. But I can remember sitting in my dad's truck at five years old saying yes to a relationship with Christ for the first time. And I might have walked away from him for a season. But as soon as I walked into South Fort Myers High School seven and a half years ago, It was an environment where I was able to reach out exactly where I was at because it was personal to God. I was able to reach out in that environment and touch him and receive his healing power. That I actually thought that I was too far gone from being the one. I thought that I had done some things that God might not ever forgive. So to stand in front of you this morning is so humbling for me. But I hope you know this morning, I don't care how big Canton Church gets big in Jesus' name, I hope that it gets stinking big because I think that you can reach people just like me, just like you, just like your family members who are far from God right now, just like the co-workers that you walk by every day and you go, man, if they just knew Jesus, what if this is the church that's supposed to reach them? What if it's that building five and a... They might not have ever come to Sequoia High School, but what if they'll come to that location? There's a single mom that walks into Anytime Fitness every single day who's hurting and broken and does not know who Jesus is and the dad doesn't help him at all and she has to get up every morning and make breakfast and drop her daughter off at school and go to work nine hours a day, come home, do homework, put her kid down to bed and she sits in her bed at 9.30 every night with no hope and nothing to live her life for any greater than the day-to-day and she has to get up the next morning and do it again. But what if she walks into that building on Easter next year, and she recognizes that her situation is personal to God? Because of that environment, and because of people like you who use your gifts and your talents and your resources to set up environments like that, what if she walks in and she finds that she can reach out and touch and receive the healing power of Jesus? It does not matter where this church is located. All that matters is that the heart stays the same. And I've talked to your pastors enough over the last three and a half years and this weekend while we're up here to know that the heart is that this church and all of you who call it its home would go and reach people for Jesus. So two things, two applications, two action steps this morning. Number one, if you call this place your home, this place has helped change your life, or your teenager's life, or your kid's life. If that's you this morning, you're someone who can close your eyes and you know what? I said yes to Jesus ten years ago, and then I walked into this place two years ago, three years ago, and my my walk with Jesus is actually different. I didn't realize there was a expression of the body of Christ like this that's so life giving and fun and and energizing, and I, I didn't even realize this existed. If that's you, and you would call this place your home, would you do me a favor over the next sixty days? Would you trust your leaders like never before? Would you pray for them like never before? Would you give like never before? Would you serve like never before? Would you lead like never before? Because what if God wants to do something special when you guys move from here to the location down the street? Do not let five miles throw you off. Don't let five miles throw you off from all that God's done in your heart and in your life at this place just because we're moving locations. Don't let don't let the enemy try to speak to your heart that it's not the same and we loved the high school and now it's over here. Don't let the enemy do that because that's what he wants to do. The enemy's going to want to tell you, well, man, it was it, when we were at Sequoia, it was different and now over here, it's good, but it's not the same. Listen, the building might look different, but the heart is the same. And I believe just like all of you walked into this place and God has changed your life, he wants to use you to change people's lives in that building in the future. If you're here and you call Canton Church your home, would you get behind this move like never before? If there's 10 or 20% of you of you that's going, well, I just don't know. Would that? Would you move that across the line starting today? Because what could it look like with 200 people that are behind a move, 200 people that are behind this idea that this could be the church that could reach people in that area like never before? What could it look like with that amount of people moving forward and the momentum that, that could create at that new building? I'm so excited to hear about your first couple weeks in that building. It's not about how many people show up. It's about how many lives are changed. And if that's you this morning, I would ask you, cross the line in your heart. Get behind this move like never before. And then I would just, the second thing, maybe you're here this morning and you've actually had the thought of, man, some of the things I'm doing is, I wonder if God could actually forgive them. I'm actually struggling with a few things right now in my life. Again, hey, listen, if you're struggling with something, that's okay, it's a good thing. It means you haven't been defeated. It means there's hope. If you're struggling with something this morning, can I pray for you? Because I promise you at the end of the day, The guy 12 hours from here in Fort Myers, Florida, walking into high school seven and a half years ago that was hurt from some things that happened in his life with church, that was doing some things to cover up that pain that I wouldn't want to tell you about today because it's embarrassing that when I said that prayer to God, I'm struggling with this idea of coming back to you full term, and I'm struggling with this idea about being involved and leading in your local church again. When I offered that prayer to God, it was personal to him. And we think, I'm not sure God hears my prayers with as many people that are asking him to do stuff. I promise you, when you reach out to God, he goes, somebody called my name. And he turns around, and he gets on a knee, and he says, son, daughter, I hear you, and I'll heal your heart. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you. Can we bow our heads all across this place as we close in prayer? For all of you who call Canton Church your home and you've been coming for two, three years, one year, two months even, and you're balled in, I want to pray for you and that you would use your gifts and your talents and your resources to go reach more people for Jesus. you're here with all heads bowed and eyes closed and you're struggling with something nobody's looking around for the safety and security of this moment nobody's looking around but if you find yourself on labor day weekend of this year september 2015 and you find yourself struggling with something in a marriage struggling with something financially struggling with something in your health struggling with something in your parenting or something going on in your extended family something going on relationally for you. If you're struggling this morning, would you do me a favor? Nobody's looking around. Would you just slip your hand up so that I can pray for you? Come on. I see you in the back left. That's awesome. In the middle, that's awesome. Come on. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with something, slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Nobody's looking around. That's awesome. I see you in the back as well. Jesus, right now, we take a moment and we pause. God, and we're so thankful. We're so thankful for the heart of this church. We're so thankful that you opened a door here close to four years ago where we could have church and the lives that have been changed have been great. The people who have said yes to a relationship with you, Jesus, have been great. The people baptized here have been great. The people that have served here and given here, God, of their time and their gifts and their finances, God, has been great. Lord, and now you're opening a new door five miles down the road. Jesus we believe this is our next big step as a church God this is the next open door not to have a more permanent facility not to have to set up and tear down not to have a cooler stage or a cooler kids ministry God we believe that you're opening that door because you want us to move in that direction to reach more people for you Jesus God I pray for that single mom that's going to walk in sometime in the next six months I pray for the person that's here that's sitting in the auditorium this morning that's going to greet her And she's going to have her little kid with her and she's not going to have a husband with her and she's not going to have a ring on her finger and we're going to realize that's a single mom. We're going to put a smile on our face. We're going to hug her. We're going to help her check in with her kids. We're going to walk her into a seat. and She's going to sit down. And Jesus, right now, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in her heart. We thank you in advance that you're going to use our church, God, that you would use us to reach people like that. So, Jesus, for all of us that call this place our home, Jesus, that we would take that last 10% of our heart in that direction, that we would get on board like never before. We would pray for our leaders. We would serve and we would live, lead and we would give like never before, God, in order to create a momentum, a Jesus momentum, a Holy Spirit momentum, moving into that building, God, that you would use us far greater than we think that you could even use us. And Jesus, for every hand that was raised a few minutes ago, God, I hope they came into this place and they thought that because they were struggling in that area that it was a bad thing. I hope they leave this morning, God, knowing that because they are struggling in that area, it might not be a bad thing. It might just mean there's still some hope. And God, when we call on your name, you turn around. and You get on a knee. And you look us eye to eye you say son and daughter struggle no more go and be free you are freed from your suffering jesus would you heal any pain or any struggle that's here in this place this morning we love you we thank you we're humbled to call this church our home we're humbled to serve you at all that we would be a church that would remember that it's about the one just like it was for us one day That now we would be used to reach other people for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone who across the auditorium who agreed said, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for letting me be here with you this morning.